prophets and mystics, are they the same? Um, you know, I've been searching this out for a, quite a while um, because there's, my question was, you know, back in the Bible days, there were prophets um, and they were told to go into, into towns and cities and uh, tell of the, maybe of the doom and gloom that's to come or what the people should be doing and basically told the future of what's going on and said that they were there. They were called by God or told by an angel uh, to come and give that message. So also in uh, my question was, is why doesn't that happen in today's day? Why aren't we hearing of prophets and things like that? I don't think in today's day that people want to be called a prophet um, that carries with it um, some pretty big shoes to fill. And, um, you know, if you're wrong on one on one thing, um, your five minutes of fame have turned into, you know, you're the lowest of the low. So I think people are hesitant to come out and label themselves as a prophet in today's in today's day, this 21st century, 20th and 21st century. Um, but back in the day, there were uh, ones that labeled themselves uh, a prophet, and they in turn started uh, churches and religions and things of that nature that are still around today. Now, mystics were also around at the same time, and in what I've read, they've they've we're kind of doing the same thing, except they didn't um, announce it as uh, being directly from God, let's say. Um, but it was from a source that they knew was um, supernatural, let's say. Supernatural source they were getting these messages from. And then right away what things conjure up in people's mind was, well, that's the devil telling them what to say. Well. You know, you can think that, and that's fine. Um, but some of these mystics uh, had things to say that were uh, pertinent to the time era and the things that were coming up and uh, messages that were given them that they gave people and gave the, the, the towns and the cities or in the areas they were in that were warnings and um, basically, you know, giving people caution to what they were, what was coming up and what they were doing. Not unlike what the prophets did, um, but they were labeled mystics because maybe they were not uh, of a religious background and, um, or maybe they didn't want to be connected that way with a religious background. Maybe they didn't understand what the messages they were getting and they decided to, you know, start telling people about these messages. And then right away they were pointed at and scoffed. And, and as we read in the middle ages, some of them were burnt, burned at the stake and called heretics and everything like that because the, let's say the church or the religion, in control at that point in time, didn't want to have any competition. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, so I looked up the, the definition for prophet 
So a prophet is a person regarded as an inspired teacher or proclaimer of the will of God. Okay, and some of the prophets in that in the in the dictionary that are are put in there as an example are uh, Muhammad, which he's a the prophet of the Muslims, and Joseph Smith, which is the prophet of the Mormons. So then I looked up, um, you know, prophets in the Bible and everything, and we kind of know that, you know, John the Baptist, you, you got Isaiah, you've got all the all the typical ones that you've heard of in your stories, uh, Bible stories you've heard. But I looked up mystic also, and a mystic is a person who seeks by contemplation and self-surrender to obtain unity with or absorption into the deity or the absolute, or who believes in the spiritual apprehension of truths that are beyond the intellect. Now, that was a long definition of a, of a mystic. To me, it's, it's pretty much saying the same thing, except it's not in the mystic one, it doesn't mention the word God. And that keeps it separated from let's say a religious form or a, a, a group of people specific. But you know, you have in today's day, you have uh, people that call themselves channelers and they channel messages. And um, these messages are from, they'll, they'll, sometimes they don't know where the messages come from. Sometimes they say, you know, I'm channeling uh, Z or I'm channeling Theo or um, which is a group of, uh, of beings, what they say is a group of beings that's giving them messages to warn or to give counsel or to teach um, our humankind today. And, you know, we're all human beings here on this planet and going about our daily lives. And we are listening to, you know, if, you, if you're a churchgoer, you're listening to the pastor or the the Sunday school teacher, uh, stuff like that. And, and they have kind of an authority, um, position and they're giving their interpretation of what, uh, they think the messages are. And, um, and that could be right or wrong. It does, I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. Um, but they still have messages that they're giving and people are accepting these messages or not accepting these messages. And that's what's happening today is that you have labels put on things that are messages from another source and people are putting labels on them because they don't, uh, they don't match what was done back in, you know, in the, in the centuries before. But, you know, it's interesting when you look up the list of, um, and I'm going to look up the list here real quick. If you look up the list of uh, prophets or, first of all, we'll look up the list of list of Christian mystics. And this is just a Google. And you look up the list of Christian mystics. And it goes from first century all the way to the 20th century. Now, the first century has a few that are listed. And they're listed as mystics. These are mystics, not prophets. John the Baptist, Simon Peter, Paul the Apostle, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, some of you will know those names right off and uh, understand them to be, you know, followers of Jesus. 
and they're labeled mystics according to whoever put this list together i understand that um but it goes through all the centuries of um so-called mystics or people who had a message that they ended up giving the message and it might have resonated with people or it might not have resonated with people and they were then put on a list of who people thought they were so as you go through time go through the centuries you'll you'll come across names that um, we've heard of in either what we've read or what we've heard people talking about or if you're in um, you know, in philosophy classes, things like that, you've heard names before that you'll recognize. And as you go through the list, you're thinking, holy moly, there's a lot of mystics out there, not just in, in our area, which is the United States, but all over the world, there's mystics and they all have a message and they're giving a message from another source other than let's say a religion source because they're labeled a mystic but you have um in the 16th century you have teresa of avila now she was um obviously a catholic nun and she was labeled a mystic um she was a religious reformer um not too much about her but then um you have in the 17th century, the list grows. So as you're going through the centuries, you'll notice that this list of mystics is growing larger and larger. So what that means is that either, um, I'm sure there's people that were getting messages that weren't saying anything. So, you know, you can't count those statistically on, you know, what, what it is, what's real statistic, but these people obviously said something and then they were documented and then they were labeled the the mystic that they that they were so the 17th century had quite a few the 18th century had had more and and one of the 18th century ones is william blake and uh william blake lived from 1757 to 1827 and now see the dates are going to make a, a lot of sense uh, um what i think is going on and so 1757 to 1827 now william blake was known as a a poet a painter um and so he put together things he was known uh as an eccentric also but i happened to have one of his his uh prints in my office and um he's an exceptional artist if you look up william blake he uh painted and sketched and did things that um I picture it as messages in picture form of the supernatural source or the God or um, infinite intelligence or whatever you want to call it. But he did a lot of those and he's in the um, mystic list. Another one um, that I'm familiar with the name is Joseph Bates. He lived from 1792 to 1872 and he was uh, an early founder of um, the, the this Adventism movement um, that started up. So he was one of the early founders of that. But he was also labeled a mystic, which is kind of curious. Now we get into the 19th century, and obviously we have, um, you know, Brigham Young with the Mormons. Um, he was labeled a mystic. And then um, we have Ellen G. White, 
who was labeled a prophet and a mystic. She's in both lists. And um, she lived from 1827 to 1915. And then we have uh, Myrtle Fillmore and Charles Fillmore, which was a, a, a husband and wife. And they have an interesting story. They're labeled mystics. And then we have Rudolf Steiner, who wrote many books from 1861 to 1925 is when he lived. And if you go down the list here, um, there's more. There's like gurus. There's um, other people that have Russian names. Um, and, the, and the list just keeps kind of going and going. And then you get to the 20th century. And the 20th century, um, you know, we have people listed, but I don't know a lot of these names. So um, I would say the 19th century was the one that had the most people coming out and giving a message. Now, that message could be, you know, from from one of the stories, like, like Ellen G. White, um, the story goes that, that she had the vision um, only after God had tried to give the vision to two other gentlemen in that same, um, in the Millerite movement there. Um, according to documentation, everything that God said, here, here's my message. You need to give this out. And they kind of hesitated and refused. And so he took it away from them. Then he tried another guy and the other guy didn't do anything. So he said, I'm taking away from you too. And then I'm going to go to um, Ellen and, and give her this message. And she was the one that spoke it. So from that point on, she was the prophet of, of that group. Now, think of all the people and I think of those two gentlemen that are getting this message and they're thinking, who is talking in my head? Who, what is going on here? And then this is such an absurd message that how am I uh, supposed to make people believe this and, and um, you know, do this? So they were hesitant. They, they didn't go with what they were told to do and it was taken away and that could have happened with many many others so today in this little bit of time i'm going to focus on on three that i think have have interesting stories one of them is ellen g white the other ones are um charles fillmore and his wife uh, myrtle and then the other one is edgar casey now they are all labeled mystics and if you look up the prophets, the only one um, listed in the prophet area, let's see, unnamed prophets. So the only one listed as a prophet of Christianity, and these are claimed post-biblical prophets. Now, these it says claimed post-biblical prophets. The following persons are considered by some Christians to be prophets or to have had prophetic experiences. So um, Joan of Arc is listed in that, Nostradamus. And then you have, you know, Ellen White uh, listed in there. Mary Baker Eddy, um, if you've ever heard of her, um, she was a Pulitzer Prize winning uh and she started the Christian Science Monitor. So we have what I see, what I picture in my head. And we have Pat Robertson in there, um, Kenneth Copeland. 
these are all like modern day Benny Hinn. Um, these these are labeled biblical post biblical prophets. So you have to ask yourself now, okay, what is a prophet? What is a mystic? Are they the same thing? Are they the same thing as the channelers? Who where are these where are these messages coming from? And how are we supposed to know what to believe and what to follow? And so that's where I'm kind of going to go. Now, I don't know. I'm just going with gut feeling on what I think is the truth. And, you know, you'll have some people say, well, this person is uh, affiliated with a re religious organization and they're saying stuff that's coming true or that's going to come true that aligns with the Bible. And obviously they are a prophet. So we're going to follow them. We're going to start a church. Um, you know, we're going to start a group of people. And this is what we follow. We follow that person. And whatever they say is a message from God. And we're going to do that. Now, as we've seen throughout the years, that some groups of people have done that. And it has not turned out well. And some groups of people have had complete success with that because that the the prophet kind of stood the the test of time and but we are today uh, my question was how come we don't have that today how come no one's running around saying i am the i'm the prophet here's what god says and, and, and you're and you're probably laughing because there are people like that there's there's maybe people running around new york city los angeles san francisco on the street corners and saying they are a prophet running around saying things and so there are people like that but um, why aren't we listening now? If, if I, and I laughed, you know, I'm saying people running around New York on the street corners, but why do we laugh? Why that could be the person giving the message that God came to them and said, here's a message I need to give you to give to the people on the corner of so-and-so and so-and-so, whoever passes by and that person saying me, I'm a nobody. I'm how am I supposed to give this message? But yet they go out and do it. And then they're labeled um, a kook or, you know, don't listen. That's just the person who stands on the corner and, and talks every day. And, you know, nobody in today's society listens. But yet we have a, a, a small portion of people who are what they say, a, a, a channeler or a mystical mystic person who are giving messages all the time. And these messages range from um, talking to extraterrestrials, to talking uh, with angels, to talking with spirit guides, to talking with people on other planets, um, talking with God personally, talking with light beings, um, talking with past prophets. So how are we to know what we're supposed to listen to and are they the same messages coming through different sources through different people so other people can understand this the same message is being given out maybe they're not involved in a church or an organization but they're um they need the message from a higher source from the creator of the universe so Prophets have a certain um, thing they go through or test that's in the Bible. I'm not sure anymore where it's at, but 
they have a certain test that they have to uh, kind of uh, pass to be considered a prophet. And then, then they're labeled a prophet and then everything's hunky dory and they, and everybody listens to what they say until they say something that's a little out of sorts. And then they, you know, kind of question that prophet. And that's happened to all the ones that I'm going to talk about. Um, that's happened to all of them. And so we just have a skeptical nature and that's what we read about in the Bible. It's, re, it's people just are skeptical about things, but that's why you have to go with your gut on what you feel your truth is. Now, um, first one I'm talking about is Ellen White. She, um, at the age of 12, she went to, and I'm going to summarize everything and I might not be perfect on my whole story because I'm trying to get it done here, but 12 years old, she was a Methodist. She went to a Millerite movement, um, camp, I guess, and heard the message and she was baptized. And, um, at that point, uh, she had her first vision and the first vision was, uh, God's people going up a stairway, um, and some people falling off the stairway. And those are the ones who couldn't wait or, or, um, lost the faith or whatever. So that was kind of the first vision she had. And then she went on to have, um, maybe, uh, I think two or 300 visions, um, that I think I read here that, so she had two or 300 visions in, during her um, lifetime. And then, you know, one of them, they were always trying to prove her wrong uh, or uh, others not prove her wrong, let's say, but others were trying, others of not of that faith were trying to um, give doubt to the others. So they would go and test her. So everybody's always put to the test and uh, they would test her. So when she's in vision, they would test her her vital signs and this and that. And, and a lot of times they say she wasn't breathing, but yet she was still alive. And, and the whole time, I guess, in each one of her visions, her eyes were wide open. So that's pretty phenomenal. So your eyes wide up, try keeping your eyes open for a long time, um, 30 minutes or so and see how they react. But at one point in time, she, they, she held out her parents' uh, Bible that was an 18 pound Bible Imagine all the words in that 18 pound Bible. She held it straight arm out for, I think, half an hour. And, um, you know, you can try to do that with a smaller book and you're not going to be able to do that. But these are things that that um, convince people that she was uh, put in a trance uh, by God to receive a message from um, an off earth message, let's say. And then to give the message back when she, uh, to give it out when she came back into um, into her being into her body. So one of the one of the uh, another vision she had was a vision that Joseph Bates kind of um, was interested in, and that consisted of uh, Joseph Bates was interested in in uh, astrology. Um, I shouldn't say astrology. Um, what's the word for it? Uh, stars and the, and the planets. <laughs> so I'm not sure that that word goes away from me right now. Um, astronomy. There you go. Astronomy. So he was interested in that. So she had a vision in front of him and she started talking about going off the planet earth and going past planets and this and that. And she was explaining the planets and he knew from what his experience was that, um, 
that she was right on with everything. And then she was talking about other beings on other planets, which is kind of curious. So that got him, you know, thinking about all that. And then he was a believer at that point in time and uh, came over and, and helped start that movement. Then you have um, Charles Fillmore and Charles Fillmore. That's an interesting thing. So um, but getting back, let me let me not quite leave Ellen White, Joseph Bates and William Miller and those and that movement. That movement turned into the Seventh Day Adventism uh, movement, which is alive and thriving today. Um, and um, they're going by not her writings. They're going by the Bible and her writings are a supplement to the Bible to kind of expand the thought pattern of that. So they turned it into a religion. Um, the messages didn't say, turn this into religion. The messages were just about the things and how things were going to be and to come. It didn't say, turn this into religion, but they did that. Um, now, when you talk about, um, let's say, uh, Charles Fillmore and his wife, they took a different route. Now, they were both labeled mystics. And they took a different route. Um, and he was basically getting messages um, just on new thought. Um, there were religions out there already. Remember, he lived, um, he was born in 1854 and uh, died in 1948. Um, but he was more interested in, in philosophy and religion, and he was getting messages to, you know, kind of write down things and, and um, give new thought and, and attend classes on new thought and, and how people are taking the philosophy of the religions in the Bible. And so him and his wife ended up um, going through some classes by E.B. Weeks, um, and his wife was cured from tuberculosis through those use of prayer and other methods. So there was prayer involved in these, in these um, messages and they took it and they started just a publication. So they, Charles and Myrtle started just a publication on just different thoughts of how things are and what, what, how the world is, what the Bible is saying, maybe in more of an esoteric view of what's going on or an allegorical view rather than a literal view. And they started a periodical called Modern Thought. And that probably didn't sit well with a lot of uh, churches at that point in time, but that's what they put together. And they had prayer groups and the prayer group they started was called Silent Unity. And during that, during that time, um, Charles had no intention of making the, the silent unity prayer group into a denomination, but his students that were getting so much information from that, um, wanted a more organized group. So, and, and I don't know why everybody wants an organized group. Why can't everybody just be kind of a free thinker and, you know, just get together and, and do that kind of thing and, and swap, you know, ideas and everything, but there has to be some kind of a structure to everybody in every organization. And that's what people, everybody wants to be part of a group. You know, I want to be part of this group, that group. 
and he didn't want to, but um, he, they they ended up putting putting it together, and uh, now they have what they call the the Unity Church, and they claim that him and his wife are the founders of the Unity Church, and um, they kind of go by some of the writings that are were put together there. Um, they taught a lot about reincarnation and that the that the body um, that the body can go can be younger and grow younger and that um, that reincarnation is possible these these people were also vegetarians just like uh, the advent movement was the vegetarianism so they were vegetarians too so it, it, it comes to you know wonder is that were these people these two different or three different people right here they were getting messages about the same time they all lived in the same span of time and they were getting these messages from a higher source and these messages were similar and some of them took it one way um started religion others took it to just a periodical and wrote about it and kind of but they all had the same feelings i'm gonna i'm gonna be vegetarian i'm not gonna eat meat anymore i'm you know i'm not gonna do tobacco i'm not gonna do coffee and that's where all these they're they're they didn't, uh, Charles Fermat didn't believe in killing animals for food. Um, and so they were getting the same message. They just were of different cultures, let's say, different, um, different areas. So they were getting the same messages. Now we get into um, Edgar Casey, And Edgar Casey, he was labeled... Um, a clairvoyant also in a, in a clairvoyant basically um in, in a in a in the term found on the internet clairvoyance is the magical ability to gain information about an object person location or physical event through extrasensory perception so you may not believe in extrasensory perception or you may um believe it or not it's it's out there and uh, people are experiencing that every day but he was a, a um a devout christian and part of a church um he was a sunday school teacher and it doesn't say what church he was uh part of at the time but he started getting these um visions and dreams when he was sleeping and he was able to first of all heal um during his during his um sleep period he, he's labeled the sleeping prophet and during his sleep he was able to give advice and counsel and teaching on healing and things of nutrition and things that had to do with helping people all these people had to, all these Prophets, all these mystics had a, an interest in helping people out, helping humankind. And those are the messages they were getting from the off earth or the ultimate source or God. And to help us, um, you know, live here as human being on earth and to thrive. And he, like I said, was known as a sleeping prophet. He had, um, I'm trying to find it exactly, but 
14,000 has documented 14,000 um, cases or whatever you want to call it cases or sleeping, you know, prophetic instances where he gave counsel and that counsel to whatever person it was to be given to the remedy or the healing or whatever that person needed um, always was correct. And there were doctors that tried to denounce that. Of course, again, they tested and they didn't know how this, this person that had a, a, I think a ninth grade education could come off with some of the uh, medical instances that he came up with, um, not while he was awake, but while he was sleeping, he would, uh, he would be given a name of the person that they needed to find a remedy for or had an ailment. And he would use the name and then tell the person taking notes, this is what you need to do. This is how much, this is uh, how many times you need to put it on. And, and he went through the whole thing and the doctors were just, they weren't using that kind of methods. They were saying, oh, this stuff, this doesn't work. Well, it worked and it worked so well that he became well known and he edgar casey was uh hesitant on you know doing this he was he he didn't know what was going on sounds like when you read his uh, biography he didn't know what was going on he just knew that at an early age um and there's a story with him and his dad at an early age he was not doing well in school and his dad was upset why can't you learn spelling what's the problem with you and and kind of roughed him up a little bit and Edgar Casey that night was told by what he says is an angel says came to him and said sleep with your head on the book and then you will know so he did that he slept with his head on the book and the next morning his dad asked him questions he knew every single part of that book up upwards downwards backwards forwards he knew everything about that book and so his dad thought he was faking out again and roughed him up again so you know, as parents, I mean, we, you need to listen to your kids sometimes and, and, uh, hear what they're saying, you know, rather than roughing them up thinking they're not, uh, but, but we do that. We're skeptical. We're, we're skeptical people down, you know, um, down deep. And when we receive messages like that, it's hard to take it even back when it was written in the Bible. I mean, you read about all the towns that the prophet came in, said what he had to say, and they laughed at him and beat him up or stoned him. And so they didn't believe him either. But Edgar Casey's an interesting case because he didn't know what was going on. He didn't want any um, fanfare. He didn't want any uh, notoriety for what he was doing, but he was willing to help anytime he was asked. And he would do um, two uh what would you call it? Two sessions a day. And he did two sessions a day for decades. And they said that's what finally killed him is that he worked so hard on that, that it finally killed him. But two sessions a day helping people. And they didn't, those people didn't have to be in the room. Those people could be remote. They could be somewhere else. But as long as he was given the name or a picture of that person, he could help them with the healing or whatever thing they needed help with. Um, he became an excellent student after that book thing, you know, the angel came to him. Now the angel came to him. 
remember he's not he's he's not in a religion to to do it for a religion he is a teacher at a at a sunday school but he didn't want anybody to know that he would so it was kind of like I'm of the church and I don't want to get, I don't want anybody to know I'm getting these messages, but I'm able to help people, but I don't want to be pointed at and scoffed at kind of the same thing we just talked about with those two gentlemen in the, in the Millerite movement that got the visions and they didn't want to be uh, looked at weird either. So we kind of have to check ourselves on when we get messages and you know, there's people all, all the time that are empaths that are getting messages when they're, around people and they keep the message and all of a sudden a few days later that message they were supposed to give actually actually happens to that person and then they understand that wow i knew that beforehand now that would be labeled a prophet if you look at the label now prophet because they're able to foretell the future so if you're getting these downloads or these messages they aren't necessarily from the devil as you hear some christians say because i've had these conversations before and i brought up things of others you know because if you're if you're in a, a little scope of of religion and you have a prophet um that's the only thing you know you don't know outside of that time outside of the the box or the bubble that you're in that in the other parts of the world the same thing was going on and you're just not aware of it. So how close-minded do you have to be? You have to understand that it went on. God is working for everyone, not just a certain group. So he's going to give prophets and mystics and channelers to everyone. He wants his stuff known. Well, yeah, how do you know it's his stuff? How, what do you know if the, the devil's telling stuff to Because there's always a, a counterfeit for the truth. Well, listen, you can go you can go ahead and think that through your whole life if you want to do that. That that doesn't it's it's what your truth is. But you have to go with your gut. And if if your gut is telling you what your gut is your yourself and it's your it's your God connection. It's your source connection for knowing what's true and false. And if you think everything that someone else says that's labeled a mystic or a, a channeler that's not giving the message of God, then you need to listen to their messages just, you know, but I can't listen to their message. I've heard, I can't listen to their messages because then I'll be roped in. I'll be, I'll be, um, you know, like the, like the serpent and the apple. I'll be, you know, fooled. And then I'll be, you know, roped into something that's going to take me to hell. Listen, you're in charge of your life. And you can discern if you ask and you're in prayer or meditation or deep thought and you ask for discernment. If you believe there's a God and you ask for discernment, then you have to believe that you're asking God for discernment. Not that you're not that your message or your prayer is getting diverted to another source that's less than positive, which would be according to some people, the devil. You have to know that your, your prayers and your meditation and your, your sincere thoughts going to God are answered by him. If you're that skeptical and you think they're being interrupted 
and being, you know, hijacked by this devil person, then we need to talk more about that too. But that's a whole nother thing. But getting back to Edgar Casey, he 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 kind of thought that way. He thought this stuff, this I'm getting messages in my head when I sleep, visions, and I don't know if they're from God. I don't. I can't go to the and tell people about this because I don't. I don't really know if they're from God. But how can they not be from God because they're helping people? I'm helping people get well. So long story short, he finally realized that he was doing a good work. And he, like the others, didn't want to start anything um, as far as like a religion or a church or anything like that. But he decided to start a hospital because the doctors that were, uh, after he'd give the um, the remedies to these people, they'd go to their doctors and ask for the for the remedy. And the doctors would take so long to get this remedy in place and do what he told them to do that these people would get worse or die. And so he got tired of that. So he decided, listen, okay, I'm going to do something. I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to start a hospital. And that hospital was started in Virginia beach. And it's actually, uh, still, still there, not as a working hospital, but he started the association for research and enlightenment. Now, that doesn't sound demonic. Um, it doesn't sound like a church, but it's definitely a good work that's being done. And others that were considered prophets started hospitals and schools. The same thing that, that this gentleman did and that uh, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore did is there's, there's ways to get God's message out and to help people and there's hospitals being built, there's there's periodicals put out, there's all kinds of things are helping people um, get through this life in a more uh, Christ-conscious manner. And you can't always think that the devil is chasing you around to slip you up. Because at that point in time, you're giving more power to that power than you are to your God power. That's what slips you up. So the prophets and the mystics and the channelers and the seers and the, I don't know, the, I mean, they call them anything you want, but the, the, the magi or the magicians that they called them back in the day, these people were labeled these things, but they still had the messages. And if you read about them, they're similar messages. And I think they're similar messages from the same source. Some of them might be directly connected to God. Some of them might be directed to uh, an angel, which we hear about lots in the Bible, them talking to an angel first. Um, but then some of them are, are, are connected to a higher source being maybe themselves. And that's, Something that I've learned about, too, is that you have a higher self that's guiding you along. Some people call it your self-conscious, but that is another whole topic. But you are still connected to God as long as you're not skeptical about it. Because you can't go around saying, am I connected to God? Am I not? Am I connected? Am I, am I not? Am, oh, man, I'm really confused. Well, 
he's not the author of confusion. So if you ask him, which I did several years ago, show me, talk to me, help me know that I am connected to you. And he has, and he's shown me that in different ways and, and gotten me out of the, the one uh, lane thought pattern to see what, what else is going on in the world and how other religions and cultures and, and um, other people from around the world are having the same messages, different verbiage maybe, different characters in their message, but yet they were all getting these messages from their prophets, their mystics, their seers, their gurus, their teachers, their whatever you wanted to call them, they were getting these messages because these people, as you are, not just these people that claim this, but you are connected directly to source. And if you open up that, that avenue to source, he's going to give you these same messages to help you win this game of life and, and um, be productive and not always think that something's chasing you around and you have to be, a, be with a certain group or have a certain type of title to make it, uh, to make it where. So prophets and mystics, I think are the same. People will probably argue that, but I think they're the same. They have messages that are given and you can listen to them or not. Just like back in the day when you read the Bible, some people listened, some people did not. Some people moved forward, some people stayed back and got wiped out. So that's what I have today on prophets and mystics. Uh, I think I think they're the same in my in my mind, um, and uh, that's all I know so far.